Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our Connections Radio Show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us feeling, get us imagining, and get us connected. Our show today is part of our Connections Community Partner Series, and this one is co-produced with the Reviving Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. Now, RISE's mission is to amplify the voice and power of Muslim women, and they do that through storytelling, leadership development, and civic engagement. My co-hosts are Aisha Abdullahi, and we also and Abdi, uh, before I move on, Aisha is the Civic Engagement Coordinator, and we also have Lila Eltawili. She is the co-founder of the East Metro for a Better Tomorrow. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Aisha, there we go. (laughs) I also want to shout a big shout out to Clockwork. Clockwork is sponsoring our show today. So last time that you were on the show, Aisha, it was just before the elections on October 31st. And we had the pre-election jitters about what was going to happen. And today we're recapping the 2020 general election. And I'm so Mm -hmm. grateful to have you be part of our show and to be sharing your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so not too long ago, we were here sitting nervously and anxious about what would the turnout of this election be. And thankfully, we got what we wanted um, with Biden-Harris. Um, and the exciting victory for them. Um, I think also it was really exciting to see all the Muslim women who were on the ballot um, take this opportunity to learn from this experience, as well as those that were reelected, um, such as Ilhan Omar and uh, Hoden Hassan, Tina Smith. They all were able to get their seats back, whether it's in Congress or um, state legislators. And it was exciting to see Sharon be able to win her position on the Minneapolis school board. So um, I think our our hard work paid off and the turnout was huge um, with this election. And in thinking about it, what do you think that that particularly means, especially for Muslim women? Um, I think that means representation. And I think that means our voices are going to start being heard and recognized and seen in office in certain positions. I think for a long time we've been ignored or marginalized, and this is an opportunity for us to break barriers and be a part of the conversation. I think also uh, one thing I did want to recognize was that there was so many Muslim worlds, Muslim women across the nation who were also able to win their seats um, in their house from Delaware to Oklahoma, North Carolina, There was just so many Muslim women winning elections. And so I think this is an opportunity for us to see and be heard. Lila, how does it, um, how do you feel about uh, all of the wonderful Muslim women showing up in this election cycle? What's your perspective? Um, I think it's amazing. I think it, it, it's a, it's a display or, or kind of the, the, the fruits of our labor from, you know, the last several years of um, all the work that RISE has been doing, um, other Muslim women organizers, um, it, it, to go from, you know, just a handful of women in uh, 2016 or 2018 to now, you know, double that amount, um, you know, that, that, that is 
I mean, that's amazing. That means that we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to have representation. We were, we were everywhere. Um, we saw Muslim women who were doing, you know, political advocacy or civic engagement like Asma and, and Aisha. Um, we saw them leading organizations and phone banking, um, you know, GOTV forums and roundtables and candidate meet and greets and trainings. We saw Muslim women organize on the streets. They were knocking doors um, for everyone, really, from uh, status quo to our own community members to communities that have been most marginalized and ignored. We led campaigns and volunteered on um, on campaigns just to do whatever to get our candidates to win. We engaged in agenda forming with um, candidates from all level, including uh, the Biden-Harrison campaign, and we ran for office. And um, you know, it, it we um, and you know, just to well, first of all congratulate um, you know school board elect Sharon Alamin, Representative Horan Hassan, and Congresswoman Ilhan Omar on winning. Um, we we have women in seats and women who ran for seats who have you know historically ignored who who we are and so just like Aisha said this is representation and this is kind of the first step to removing barriers for people who worship like us and who look like us or who share um, several of our um, identities. And some of the stories over the last few years having um, rise co-partner with this show, I've been just, my heart's been touched in the way that the encouragement to to step out of maybe comfort zone and to run for leadership. Can you tell me a little bit about that process of, of how you've encouraged women to feel confident in stepping up and, and, and saying, yeah, I'll run? Um, I think what Rice has been doing these last several years is kind of providing the tools and the skills for these women to feel confident in running. And so I think when, as a young Muslim woman, when I know an organization is backing me and I know I'll have people in my corner, it gives me the confidence or the ability to be like, okay, I know I can do this. And then I know they're not going to just drop me once I win or lose my election. So I think that's an important aspect that, makes rise unique in this process. I think it's they provide the tools for sisters to feel confident to run, but then also stick with them throughout like their time in office and support them in any way possible. And I think as time goes on and more people are seeing the success of other Muslim women, they're feeling the confidence to step up and being like, oh, well, Ilhan was able to do this, and this is the changes she brought to her our community. Let me see what I can do and bring change to my community or how I can support my community at the end of the day. And I, I love that idea that you're, you're just not alone, and you you can feel so alone in um, taking on a, a, a uh, an election. It can, I mean, you have people around you, but th- that's different than saying, we're going to give you tools we're going to be there every step of the way. Um, it's a different nurturing and supportive um, environment that I, I've been just struck by and so admire. Yeah, for sure. Lila, tell me a little bit about the organization also that you're part of with uh, the founding the East Metro for a Better Tomorrow. 
Yeah, so this is actually a co-founded group with other East Metro folks who have been um, who've been really active on the ground, especially post uh, George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. And what we what we do or what we've done this election cycle is to really try to go to people who would um, historically not be involved, and we set up we set up um, you know. Opportunities for people to get to know candidates through forums. We did, um, you know, school board forums, um, forums with state representatives and uh, senators, and, and things like that. So we tried to really break down information and make it relevant uh, to communities of of color, Black, Indigenous, and people of color specifically, uh, because we we haven't we haven't seen that usually. Um, you know, Senator Susan Kent said it best. Said it best. Um, we generally hear about race questions or issues surrounding race as a sidebar item. And mm-hmm. so we really zoomed in and focused on that so that candidates, um, you know, people who are trying to make a decision on which candidate to choose would be able to, to, to see where they stand specifically on, um, on, on issues that, you know, intimately affect uh, uh, black, indigenous and people of color. Um, we went out and set up um, registration tables, voter registration tables. And um, what we found is um, people don't know where to ask questions. And so a lot of the things that we were doing was answering questions and providing resources and, you know, finding out what other barriers exist. And, um, you know, then we, we went back and we tried to figure out which candidates need our help. And, you know, we assisted the candidates that needed help Um um, so those are some of the things that we did, and we will be continuing to do that and continuing to answer, um, you know, the, the the calls within our communities. When you look back in doing the work that you've done in in um, creating a access to information, essentially for the community and, and giving them the opportunity to learn and feel a part of it. Were there steps along the way that you had kind of aha moments? I mean, you mentioned one aha moment that they just didn't know where to go to ask this kind of information. Were there other aha moments for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the aha moments that I had was um, we set up a forum for uh, the St. Paul uh, School Board uh, candidate forum for the uh, special election seat. And how eager and how um, in tune all of the candidates were to the questions that we had about uh, students who face barriers because of, um, you know, because of the, the, the systemic barriers that exist in our system because of being, you know, black and brown and uh, indigenous. Um, whereas in, in Stillwater, we attempted to set up, um, you know, these this forum and how much we struggle to bring folks to the table because of how afraid or how much of a stigma there was with being uh, present in a room that specifically addressed race and how much that would affect, even though they might, you know, advocate for, for students of color, um, how worried they were that that would affect them. Um, that was a, a big aha moment. I mean, we knew that there was a big difference between um, schools in, say, St. Paul or Minneapolis versus the suburbs, um, but that fear, the, the barrier is even higher than, than we thought. You know, just aligning yourself or branding yourself, um, especially if you can present that status quo, um, it is really, really deep, and we have a lot of work to do, I think, in the suburbs. 
Well, that is a great note to end on and to let folks know that in our next segment, we'll continue to talk about local elections and what ways what we learned during this time can help prepare us for local elections in the future, taking those aha moments and um, preparing um, to continue this good work. So stay with us and we'll be right back uh, and ready to talk about what's next. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've joined the conversation today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we have Connections Community Partner, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. To learn more about RISE, you can go to the revivingsisterhood.org. Want to learn more about Connections Radio, you can go to connectionsradiomn.com. And our sponsor today is Clockwork. And to learn more about Clockwork, you can go to clockwork.com. So thank you for being here today. And our co-hosts are Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator. We also have Laila Eltawili, who is the co-founder of East Metro for a Better Tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So we started talking about it in the first segment, both the um, our presidential election as well as local elections. Um, and I'd like to dig a little deeper. I, I loved our conversation now. We're talking about how, how do we really have those aha moments that open people up to really share what they need, uh, share their fears. We started talking about there's some real fears out there that that need to be talked about. And how do we continue um, to support Muslim women and have these conversations and get women on the ballot in this in in uh, future elections. So Aisha, tell me about the representation and and why you think this is so important and how and elaborate a little bit more than what you did in our first segment about how you see going forward. Yeah, so when it comes to representation, I think it's more than just having someone be able to speak on your behalf or those that are um, have been through struggles with you, but rather somebody that has lived the lived experience at the end of the day. And so when it comes to Muslim women, I think for such a long time, it was always their concern for being ignored or never really um, at the table, as I mentioned earlier. And so uh, when Ilhan was able to break through in 2016, I think that sparked um, a little like a little momentum in the community and recognizing that all oh, Muslim women do have a chance in getting into these spaces. And it's not all um, as difficult as we made it seem or assumed it was. And so once that happened, I think younger Muslim women started recognizing the opportunities they have and started running for office. And so I think that was something that this election really um I was able to recognize that there was a lot of young Muslim women taking the opportunity to run. And it was them challenging the system in which they didn't really, oh, many times were told they weren't welcomed in and did not have the voice or opportunity in. And so seeing those women step up and take a chance 
I think that was really like um, really fulfilling to see, especially with the work that we've been doing and trying to give them the platform and opportunity to be successful. I think them taking advantage and utilizing it in this election was really um, just really nice to see and hope to see more of in the future. I'm going to paraphrase because Ilhan says it much better, but I love when she says Minnesota not only welcomes immigrants, we send them to Congress to represent us. <laughs> and and it, it's just – it has so much heart and she has so much love for Minnesota that it, it's inspiring. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what it is. It's we're not only – like I, a lot of times when especially first-generation immigrants are sitting in these spaces for – a long time, it was just survival. That was the goal, survive living in the U.S., survive living in Minnesota. But now it's like I can do more and be more than just um, another person in the cities. It's I can be a part of the conversation. I can make the changes needed, whether it's in the Minneapolis school board, whether it's in the city council, whether it's at the legislative session in the House. It really like I have the opportunity to take up space and I think that's important that we start taking up these spaces and be a part of the process. And celebrate it. I, I remember mm-hmm. when she was elected and I had um, a show with Asma and Asma was at the, the celebrating party. She goes, it was like a wedding. I mean, the ceremony was just amazing. There was so much joy. There was so much revelation and um, excitement of, you know, the potential you know, and celebrating the potential. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it also was like um, a path to a new future. I think once that happened, it was like there's more for us in these mm-hmm. spaces now. And so she really gave the hope um, for young Muslim women to move forward. So in looking at um, the candidacy, in basing, you know, looking at opportunities, how do you encourage and keep encouraging uh, folks to aspire to candidacy? Um, I think for me personally, it's especially for those who are able to make it through primaries but weren't elected, I think it's to tell them that that was just the first step. That was a learning experience for a lot of women um, it was the first time ever running an election, being a part of a campaign or somewhat in those spaces. And so I think for me, it's these were learning experiences. And as a first time, even making it past the primaries, that's a huge um, success, in my opinion. That's and a win. I think, that's a huge yeah, win. That's a huge win. And so it's, I'm really like encouraging, um, especially from 2018, when we only had five Muslim women running to now in 2020, we saw tons. Our numbers were doubled this election process, I think it's showing that like, okay, we're figured that was a learning experience. We won like the first step. And now it's like, what can we do better? Or what can we do to support you to now help you actually win your seats and get into office? And so I'm really excited to see what we will be able to accomplish in 2022 and really like see the representation of Muslim women. And and debriefing, you know, finding where, where were the strengths? Where were the opportunities? What are the opportunities mm-hmm. in the future? Because I don't think any of the women lost because they were able to experience what it means to go through an election process. 
And that yeah. gives them so much knowledge and, and we talked lived experience to know what's coming up. There, there's no more mystery yeah. to it. And at that point, yeah. you know, I think they're just preparing themselves for the future leadership that they will gain. Yeah. And they are okay. leaders. Whether they won, mm-hmm. you know, won the election or not, they are strong leaders and have a, a voice that they brought to the process. Um, Layla, I just wanted to ask, like, based on your experience as a candidate, um, what would you say to sisters who may not have won their race this election cycle? Like, how would you encourage for them to continue showing up? Yeah, well, um, you know, from from my experience, I know that it takes an extraordinary amount of effort to run, right? And every time we run, we clean up and remove barriers that, um, you know, the person before us had to to, to work through. Um, there's, there's, you know, one of the biggest barriers I think sisters in our community face um, and other black and brown and indigenous uh, women or, or people in general face um, is having to figure out the process. Um, you know, when you become a candidate, you have to have a solid team around you, but you're still learning um, what it actually means and, 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 you know, what it means to have a team and who needs to be there and what role they need to play. And so all of these things slow you down. Um, I'd honestly start out by saying I'm proud of you. Um, everyone deserves, you know, the, a, a massive celebration. Um, I also know that it's a very lonely space. You exit these races, um, especially if you don't win, extremely exhausted. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, feelings and emotions that you go through um, that other people might not understand because, I mean, almost, there there probably isn't anyone that you know in your circle who's run. And so that's kind of where Rise comes in, right, this connection between uh, women in these leadership positions and, and, you know, women who were successfully elected um, who can maybe sit down and and connect. Um, I would encourage them to continue to run. Um, They've inspired um, communities of women um, to not only see themselves in these roles, but to see themselves as um, successful, like the next Ilhan, right? The next Hodan Hassan, the next Sharon Alameen. Um, so I would continue to encourage them to run. I would let them rest because, my goodness, you need rest after running a campaign. Um, but to also, you know, check in and see what they need. Um, you know, what what do they need in order to get back up and continue this fight? I've told a few candidates that think of this as a dry run, right? This was your trying it out. Um, you now built a successful team. You now know what the process looks like. You now have a, a, a platform that you fine-tuned. Um, you have your your you know your your talking notes um, put together, um, and it's time for you to just rest and to start this back up very soon. And there's absolutely no reason why. Um, someone wouldn't be able to, you know, reannounce that they're going to run again in 2022 and then just continue this race on. Um, and, and, you know, like you all said, running is in itself successful. The amount of people that I had telling me that they felt inspired and that they felt, um, they felt that they were represented and that, you know, I was speaking on issues that they've never heard other people speaking on and that they saw advocacy in me that they've never seen in other candidates. Um, that in itself 
really, really forced me to stay involved and to continue to remove those barriers and to continue to think of ways where I can encourage other women and to demystify the system and the process so that other people can come in and then I can support them from the ground up and help them be successful. So, you know, those are all the things that, that um, I think that I learned, that I've observed from other people. Um, but again, you know, just congratulate, congratulate these women. And, and, you know, just like everyone else said, representation really matters. And so we absolutely need them to continue this race um, and, and to continue to, until they finally become, you know, elected into those seats. And with that perfect note, We'll uh, need to end this segment. And I want to remind our audience that you're listening to Connections Radio Show here at AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And join us in our next segment as we're going to be discussing some of the other challenges that face our, our, our Muslim sisters who are running for election. Sometimes there's the downside and the Islamophobia in elections is also something that needs to be addressed and needs to have our support in making the changes that uh, can confront and and support those who are running. So stay with us as we talk about that in our next segment. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've joined the conversation. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and today we have our Connections community partner, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And my co-hosts are Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator, and Lila Eltawili, who is the co-founder of the East Metro for a Better Tomorrow. We've been talking about how inspiring candidates, we've got double candidates that we've had in the past. We have 10 wonderful Muslim women who ran for office and how to encourage those who did not uh, win to see themselves as winners, see themselves as leaders preparing for their next journey and their next leadership opportunity. But we also need to talk about the challenges as well. And one of the challenges is facing Islamophobia in elections. And um, Aisha and Lila, uh, tell me a little bit about how you feel about how we need to face this Islamophobia and also what you need from your allies to support you in this. Yeah. Um, I think as a Muslim woman, um, it's very easy to identify many of us with wearing the hijab and um, having that statement wear on us all the time. And so when it comes to that, I think it's easy to target us. And I think when we have people in office like Trump who um, purposely target Muslim women and purposely um, gaslight them during his campaign process, it shows that, like, it makes it seem that it's okay to do this. And so with that, I think Muslim women have taken those those insults and those gaslighting moments and really fueled it so that they could now become a part of the same system in which he is trying to keep them out of. And I think that is something we have faced. And I think from allies, one thing I always love is that just having the constant support and um, having the backing of those that can help us get into office and um, make the difference when being heard by an ally and having their support. Um, Layla, what would you 
say um, with Islamophobia that a lot of Muslim candidates face, how could they combat yeah. that, especially as a candidate? Yeah, it, I mean, that's a really um, a really good question because I actually face quite a bit of Islamophobia in my race. And I, I used to wear the hijab, but when I was running for office, I was not wearing it. And um, I remember um, one day, you know, trying to get campaign work done at a coffee shop and logging into Facebook and realizing that someone shared my campaign announcement in a a 45,000-member pro-Trump page. (laughs) And I remember um, the sense of panic I had as they talked about, you know, all of the things that they were going to, you know, violent, terrible things that they were going to do to me. Um, I slammed my laptop shut, threw it in my backpack, and I don't remember the trip home. I just know that I got home and I was just terrified of what could happen to my kids. Mm. Um, I ended up actually speaking to Ilhan about my experience, um, how, you know, that affected me, but also the Islamophobia we face from the parties that we are part of. Um, you know, Islamophobia is not just from pro-Trumpers. It's from people who share the same uh, party and and somewhat of the same uh, political beliefs as us. Um, you know, I, I have to always make sure that, you know, males in my family, my husband, my brothers, my even my sons, were not visible at times where I was meeting with, um, with uh, you know, people in my district because I didn't want them to think that I was this weak Muslim woman, which is a stereotype, right, were oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want them to think that. I want them to see and hear me for who I was rather than any type of stereotypes that they have in their in their mind. Um, so there's there's a, a, a massive mental gymnastics that we play um, just to be taken seriously as, you know, Muslim women. And most of us happen to also be, you know, black and brown. Um, you know, candidates. So there's this, this, this process that we have to go through, go through in our heads just to show up, right? Um, there's a level of safety that we have to account for. Um, I know that for me, I have to always think of safety plans. You know, if I take this route this day, I can't take this route on that day. You know, like when I announce my, um, you know, event. So, um, there's just this level of, of, um, like I said, mental gymnastics that we have to play. And when, you know, the terror comes from the highest office in our country, it it makes it, you know, okay. It, it becomes okay. Like, you know, I'm thinking of Ilhan and what she had to go through. I mean, do you go to Washington and do your work or do you stay back and make sure your kids are safe? So it, there's just a lot. Um, I think there's massive space for um, allies to step in and, you know, pay attention and to know when they're supposed to step in and keep us safe or, you know, speak up for us or shut down the system or, you know, uplift us, um, back us up, like Aisha said, um, and help us really transform these experiences into power. I have to admit, I've I've had such admiration for Ilhan's grace as as she has just been bombarded. I mean, Trump stated it from the get-go that he had a Muslim ban. And then when she was elected to office, he has targeted her repeatedly, um, chanting at rallies. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. – I think we need more people to not just go, oh, it's just Trump. No, 
this he is enabling scary people to potentially do scary things and exactly. and it, it I, I i silence is violence we we heard that from the point when um when george floyd uh, what can allies do we we can't be silent you know we need to say this is wrong this is shameful this you know this needs to stop and um mm-hmm. Your mental gymnastics paints, I think, such a tough picture of how you need to navigate through obstacles and and huge threats. Um, that that's just unfair. I mean, that's not how our country was founded. We were supposed to be able to have all people created equal and not um, demonize. And uh, I always appreciate the thoughts that of uh, and suggestions of what we can do to continue to support um, your leadership efforts because you bring such um, insights and thoughtfulness and um, new ways of thinking and partnering and nurturing that our country needs. So I think, Layla, you bring such a great point up of hyper-awareness, essentially, that Muslim women have to have and, like, really consider everyone in their life when it comes to, like, running for an election or being a part of this system and things like that. It's them constantly concerned about their loved ones and the attack that they also face with it. But I think also it's just being a Muslim woman, I think it was going to, like, just place a huge target on all women's backs. And I think what they are thinking about is, like, Rashida from Michigan does not wear the hijab, yet she's always targeted as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we, and then on top of that, these Muslim women are now black and brown identified. So they're just targeted more in a sense because all their identities are marginalized pretty much. And they're of the minority in every single one of their identities. So Muslim women are just constantly in an uphill battle and just look for allies to help release the burden of some, of some sort because we're always climbing up and we're always fighting some sort of battle, whether it's religious, racial, or gender-wise. Well, my my hope also is that Biden will bring a multicultural team that represents a new way of supporting uh, many voices and leading with many voices and insights. And we've lived through four years of someone demonizing um, multicultural Um, it, it will be welcoming <laughs> new uh, reality to have that be celebrated. And, and hopefully that will create more allies to understand how important it is to support um, your voices. And with that, we'll, we'll, we do need to go to break. We'll go um, for just a few short commercials, but I'm looking forward to our next segment on what we can expect from RISE in the coming year. Uh, and good work that's being done with RISE. So stay with us as we are on Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And we're glad that you joined the conversation today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And we have had the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, which is RISE, as our co-partner and our co-productions of our community programming. To learn more about them, I 
highly encourage going to their website. It's revivingsisterhood.org. If you want to learn more about our radio show, you can go to connectionsradiomn.com. And a big thank you to Clockwork and their spot. They are our sponsor and their website is clockwork.com. Our co-hosts today have been Aisha Abdullahi, who is the Civic Engagement Coordinator, and Lila Eltawili, who is the co-founder of the East Metro for a Better Tomorrow. Thank you both for sharing such wonderful insights today. Thank you. And tell me about what's happening in RISE coming up. Yeah, so now that we have, like, elected officials selected and things like that, we are now preparing for the legislative session coming up. Um in just a few short weeks. Um, it's a budget year this year, and so it's really important that we highlight the needs of our community and show them um, how we would like that, how we'd like funding to be changed or a part of our conversation this season. Um, I just think uh, with COVID and the pandemic really impacting lots of community, including ours, we just want to find ways that we can find support for them at the end of the day. And what are good ways to make that happen? Um, I think the biggest way we can make a difference is contacting legislators. So RISE will be hosting a kind of day at the Capitol, a virtual one, um, in late January, early February. And so we're hoping that with that we can connect people with their legislators, introduce them to their senators and their House representatives, and then kind of have them contact them and be a part of the process. I think um, these elected officials work for their community, and so if their um, citizens and their community members are reaching out and saying that their constituents are mentioning that they want these certain things funded or they want certain support in any way, then we can eventually get what we would like to be funded Um and it sounds like there's really education on two parts. There's education to get the community to feel good about asking for what they need and what they want and what they believe in because they put representatives that are, you know, to be listening to them. But also there's an accountability uh, and and making sure that those who have been elected are accountable. Uh, Lila, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, accountability to me is probably one of the most important pieces um, of this whole process, right? Um, We have candidates who just made a bunch of promises, um, people lined up behind them, voted for them, and now they are our person, right? They Mm -hmm. represent us. They are there for us. We chose them. And so paying attention to um, what it is that they're that they're doing once they become elected in whatever seat that they're in, watching if they, you know, how they vote, if they're showing up to vote, um, whether or not they're speaking up, the questions that they're asking in sessions, um, how they're communicating, are they making effort um, to reach across? to people who didn't necessarily agree with them? Are they reaching to the people who do agree with them, right? Are they still attempting to um, really build um, great community connections versus, you know, a transactional relationship where they're only showing up for people to vote? Um, And so, you know, the other thing that I wanted to highlight is now with, you know, first-time candidates, the skills needed in order to win um, a race 
is completely different than the skills needed to become a great representative. And if you're new, you still have to really um, nurture that. You still have to learn quite a bit. Um, you know, this is a, a new role. It's a new job. And there isn't necessarily, uh, there isn't a, a, a process of, of training necessarily. It's kind of the learn as you go. Um, with some trainings that, you know, like in, in house and, and Senate seats, you know, maybe some trainings done by the house or the Senate, um, or, or by, you know, the, the leader of your, your party. Um, so, you know, really, really checking in with those people and checking to see what they need. And then also just hold them accountable by asking additional questions and, and asking them how they're doing and, um, watching them and paying attention. Um, I know with the, you know, Aisha touched on the this being a budget year. We really need to pay attention um, in 2021. We are, you know, as Muslims and, you know, many, many Muslims are, um, you know, black and brown. Um, a lot of what happened with COVID impacts us directly. And so one of the ways that we really need to hold all of our electives accountable is by really paying attention at how they're going to handle this budget and what they're going to allocate um, for the needs of our community. Um, and when we don't agree, we show up and we speak up. And when our representatives ask us to testify, we show up and we testify. And, you know, the same energy it took to get these people elected is the same energy it takes to keep them in their seats and to also um, force them to be accountable to us by doing the right thing for our communities. When you mention about um, budget and uh, and making sure that we are investing in the right areas and making sure that we're investing uh, with to, to those that most need, especially during this pandemic, um, it reminds me of you know when we our budget reflects our priorities. So how do exactly. we make sure that our priorities are being heard and understood? And also when you're talking about the difference between um, running for something or governing, it, they've the, that uh, old phrase of that you campaign in poetry but you need to govern in prose uh, is yeah. – <laughs> has, has deep meaning because there it, it is a different style in which how do you bring mm-hmm. people together. Well, we've got about a minute left. I'd love to have you both um, share something that you'd you'd like to see for RISE and then you'd like to see also for allies to support RISE. Um, I can go first. I think one thing I'm excited to see with RISE is just how we will make a difference um, this session. I think I'm excited for us to be a part of the process and the conversation and really be able to advocate for our community and give them the platform needed to make sure that their needs are met and just really taking the time um, from al- for allies to really connect and understand um, the importance of their support and their backing at the end of the day. Um, I think we got people into office. Now it's time to hold them accountable and make sure they're serving what's best for their constituents at the end of the day. Lila, we have 30 seconds. Yep. Everything that Aisha said, um, I'd love to see the changes that we and the impact that we make, um, you know, in legislation. And allies, same thing. Back us up, please. Um, we, we can't do this work without our allies. So. Thank you so much for a wonderful show today. And for everyone out there, thank you for being part of our wonderful multicultural community. And let's do our part to support everyone.